Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Daring Dialogues. I am your host, Shantae Charles. It is Thinking Thursday, Theology Thursday, and we are back with Black Theology and Black Power by James H. Cone. We have been taking our time reading through this work because it is thorough. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what other way to describe it, but it is thorough. Very, very thorough. Very, very thorough. And so we have been talking revolution, violence, and reconciliation. And we are on reconciliation, which I believe is the last section of this reading. We might get through it today. We might not because James Cone always has us pausing and stopping and thinking. But I'm going to take the next probably, I would say, uh, 10 to 12 minutes to read. And then I'm going to turn it over for some discussion today. And we're going to try to wrap up about 11.35, 11.40, because I do have a course that I am currently teaching um, that starts before 12 o'clock. So that's why I have to kind of head out really quickly because I have to prepare for those students. Yes, I get to help the next generation in their future. So I want to make sure that I'm present and I am on time and ready to go. All right, so let's take a look. I want to start this conversation off by saying um, someone asked the question, and I thought this was a very good question, so I want to kind of pose it to you all. Um, and remember, if you're listening by podcast, you can always leave us a recording, and we will get the message that you left us a recording, and we will play those recordings back and listen to your thoughts on the broadcast and on the matter. And so the question came, they asked the question, do you feel like the organized church, the institutional church is going in cycles or do you feel like it's going around um, in circles because they keep recycling the same unprocessed, um, colonized, um, catering to white supremacist leaders and you might see them leave one organization but then they pop back up somewhere else leading people or pastoring people and I thought that was a very good question because lately we kind of have seen a little bit of that um, you know with leaders who may have fallen from grace in one organization and then we look up and they have been picked up. <laughs> I want to say almost like trades, you know, in, in sports. It, you know, they're dropped by one team, by one religious institution, by one religious structure. And then you next thing you know, you see them picked up by another team in another religious organization, in another religious structure. And all the time people are wondering um, what happened between the last place you were and the new place you're at, did anything about you change? Or did you just bring your dysfunction into another organization? Because 
you didn't go through a process of healing. You didn't go through a process of being restored. You didn't go through a process of getting therapy. Um, you didn't go through a process of introspection. You just decided that, well, it didn't work out here. So now let me go over here because maybe they haven't yet heard what I did over here, or maybe they don't have as much, um, accountability or safeguards in place with the people that they're leading. So it's easier for me to go over here and not really be held accountable for the things I did somewhere else. And so that is a good question. And I do want to hear people's thoughts on it. I have my own thoughts on it, but I'll reserve my thoughts for maybe another time. Um, but, you know, the question is, are, are we continuing to sort of see the same things play out in Christendom, the same conversations, the same arguments, the same scandals, um, the same lack of biblical literacy, <laughs> all of that. Are we seeing those things play out again? Are we seeing people go into ideologies and doctrines and movements that have been in the past, but are now being recycled as something new because we have a generation that does not understand that this has already been presented and it crashed and burned for someone else, but yet people are recycling these same ideologies and doctrines for a new people who have not looked back at their history to understand and realize that you're being recycled old things in the hopes that you won't be paying enough attention to know that what you're going into is a recycling of something old. And because you think it's new, there's an opportunity there to take advantage of you. And when you recognize that maybe 10, 15, 20 years down the road that you've been bamboozled, well, they will have run off to another organization and repeated the same bamboozlement again. Now, now that I put that question out there, <laughs> let's take a look at what James Cone has to say about reconciliation and black theology. When black theology emphasizes the necessity of a theology of revolution based on the unity of black people committed to the task of destroying white racism, it is expected that many white religious people will ask, what about the biblical message of reconciliation? Whites who ask the question of black should not be surprised if some black people reply, yeah, what about it? The question, while it may be legitimate, bears a close resemblance to the old or rather new questions about integration and love. White people creating the barriers of separation now want to know whether black people are willing to let bygones be bygones. That is why Stokely Carmichael said, as for separation, what are they talking about? We have had no choice. They separated us a long time ago and they sure intend to keep it that way. And even as much as we have so-called progressed in our country, we need but look at the data to know that we are still separated, right? 
America has really been putting lipstick and foundation on a problem that has gone on for a long, 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 long time. In other words, there's been lots of cosmetic fixes, cosmetic repairs, and uh, I know Prophet Ben is on here. He can tell you about the danger of cosmetic repairs to something versus getting to the structural root issues and bypassing that because you want a cosmetic fix and you don't want a structural fix. So America is really good at cosmetic fixes, but most people know that that's what they are. They're cosmetic. They're not intended to be structural fixes. He says, white people have short memories. Otherwise, how are black people to interpret questions about reconciliation, love, and other white values? Is it human to expect black people to pretend that their parents were not shadows in society, that their ancestors labored for free under the pressure and threat of death or dismemberment or crippling or maiming? Do you really expect black people to believe that their status today is unrelated to the enslavement of the past? Do they expect black people to believe that this society is not basically racist from the top to the bottom, from the apple pie to the rootatuta? <laughs> and now white religious people wanna know what can be done about the wall of hostility between blacks and whites. Well, right now, we know that they, many of them don't care. <laughs> How do we know they don't care? Because they're literally trying to erase our history in real time while singing hallelujah. Some critics of black theology are certainly going to suggest that my approach to theology will do more toward the separation than toward reconciliation. And yet there is an appropriate concluding word to be spoken about reconciliation. First, let me say that reconciliation on white racist terms is impossible since it would crush the dignity of black people. Let's say it again, say it again. That, that, that just needs to just resonate in 2023. Reconciliation on white racist terms is impossible since it would crush the dignity of black people. Under these conditions, blacks must treasure their hostility, bringing it fully into consciousness as an irreducible quality of their identity. If white people insist on laying the ground rules for reconciliation, which can only mean black people denying the beauty of their blackness, then black people must do everything within their power to destroy the white thing. Black people can only speak of reconciliation when the black community is permitted to do its thing. The black community has experienced the crushing white thing for too long. Therefore, black theology believes that in order for reconciliation to be meaningful and productive, black people must have room to do their thing. The black community itself must lay down the rules of the game and not pick up rules that are given to them or suggested to them. 
Hello, paternalism. Looking at you. White oppressors are incompetent to dictate the terms of reconciliation because they are enslaved by their own racism and will inevitably seek to base the terms on their right to play God in human relationships. Preach a word from beyond ancestor James Cone. You can probably look at your own life right now and probably pinpoint people you know in your life that have a God complex, that attempt to play God in human relationships, that want to step in and be the white savior. And as long as you allow them in your life, in that paternalistic role, in that role of playing white savior, and let me teach you, and let me show you how to do things, and let me show you how to be a Christian, and let me show you how to walk upright, because clearly what you black people have been doing has not been, you know, it, it's not been the best. Let me show you the right way of doing church. Let me show you the right way of singing your own songs that were born out of pain and tribulation and trial. Let me remix it for you and make it more palatable for us to sing. We can probably think about in our own lives, people trying to play God in our human relationships. The history of enslavement and Jim Crow and integration efforts renders white people virtually incapable of knowing even how to talk to black people as persons. It is this fact that nullifies the good intentions of concerned white religious people who insist, they insist that they are prepared to relate to black people as human beings. They simply do not know how, Cones argues. Since racism is inseparable from the history of America, and since practically all white people in this country are taught from birth to treat black people as things or as subordinate to them, black theology must counsel black people to be suspicious of all white people who want to be friends of black people. Therefore, the real question is not whether black theology sees reconciliation as an end, but rather on whose terms we are to be reconciled. Are we to be reconciled on the terms of white racists, or are we to be reconciled on our own terms? Are we determining who is safe and solid for our community, or are we to listen to you tell us that you are safe for our community? When we see that your actions, your words, your endorsements, your sponsorships, your lobbying, your policies say otherwise. And many of you want black Christians, especially to side with foolishness. I think not. The problem of reconciliation is the oppressor's problem. Being accustomed to defining human relationships between themselves and the enslaved on I, it terms. Not I, I, or you and me, or we and us, but I and it terms. They naturally think that they have a monopoly on truth and right behavior. Boy, if I, ooh. 
if I could tell you about all the times I have had somebody really come to me in the condescending, patronizing way of thinking they have the monopoly on truth and right behavior, I would probably be a millionaire right about now. But when the enslaved began to say no to the God behavior of the masters, the masters are surprised. They are surprised because they thought that the enslaved were happy. They cannot believe that the hostilities of the enslaved stem from anything that the masters themselves have done. But neither can they believe that the unrest in the enslaved camps is motivated from within the slave community, the enslaved community. Therefore, in an attempt to explain the phenomenon of enslaved hostility, they devise tests which will show that most, if not all, people in the society are happy and the disorders are created by just outside agitators who can easily be lumped into one category, communists. CRTers, wokists. Mm -hmm. All unhappiness is a lie created and perpetuated by those ungodly communists who want to destroy the free American society. And now it's those CRTers who want to destroy the free American society. Just replace the word. There are usually enough enslaved people around who have been so crushed by the forces of evil that they do in fact respond according to the intentions of the masters. These enslaved become the actual evidence that the enslaved as a whole are satisfied with their condition. With this kind of assurance, the masters can begin to stamp out offenders against their laws and orders killing or caging all who refuse to cooperate with the laws against humanity. It is impossible for the oppressed black people of America to have dialogue with men who have this perspective. They can only say in word and deed, think what you like about America and its goodness towards blacks, but the black experience is different. And as long as you persist in that attitude, not only will there be no reconciliation, but soon it will be impossible even for us to mutually survive. Sometimes it dawns on the liberal oppressors that the oppressed do not wish to be enslaved any longer and will stop at nothing to break the chains. Sometimes it enters their minds that progress is irrelevant. What the oppressed want is freedom now. When the liberal oppressors come to that recognition, they will ask, what are we to do? These people want to know whether all has been lost. They are inquiring whether reconciliation is possible in spite of enslavement and the present crushing of every black attempt to be black. What can we say to this group? We must inform them as calmly and clearly as possible that black people cannot talk about the possibilities of reconciliation until full emancipation has become a reality for all black people. We cannot talk about living together as brothers as long as they do everything they can to destroy us. While black people may continue to work in the factories, teach in schools, and even fight in wars, there is no law that black people have to love white people. As long as white people may pass laws against blacks, black people will affirm their dignity in spite of white racism 
at every opportunity. This country is and will continue to be two societies, one black and one white, as long as white people demand the right to define the basis of the relationship. For white people to speak of reconciliation at the very moment that they are subduing every expression of black self-determination is the height of racist arrogance. Now he said this in the 1960s, but the words can be put right here in 2023. For white people to speak of reconciliation at every turn while they are subduing every expression of black self-determination, looking at you, Florida, is the height of racist arrogance. Some of our liberal white friends will probably insist that we are not being fair. When white people speak of black people being fair, I'm reminded of John O'Killian's Solly Saunders and And Then We Heard the Thunder when Solly rejected his white mistress's love because of his realization that all blacks are the same to whites, she says, you hate me because I'm white and I don't blame you, but it isn't fair. It just isn't fair. He replies, fairness is a thing no white man has a right to ask of coloreds. I mean, look who's been unfair to whom. Who's been unfair to my mother and her mother and my father and his father? And who will be unfair to my son and his children? Fairness is a word that could should choke in the white man's throat. I'm not asking any white man to be fair with Solly Saunders, baby. I live with no such false illusions. Do not misunderstand me. Black theology is a theology which takes seriously God's reconciling act in Jesus the Christ. In fact, the heart of the New Testament message is the gospel of reconciliation. As St. Paul says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Among other things, this means that the wall of hostility has broken down between blacks and whites, making color irrelevant to man's essential nature. Now this is true in the doctrine of Christ. However, in a white racist society in which we live, black theology believes that the biblical doctrine of reconciliation can be made a reality only when white people are prepared to address black men as black men and not as some grease painted form of white humanity. Black theology will not respond positively to whites who insist on making blacks as white as possible by de-emphasizing their blackness and stressing the irrelevance of color while really living as racist. As long as whites live like white people through marriage, schools, neighborhood, power, etc., black people must use blackness as the criteria for dialogue. Otherwise, reconciliation will mean that black people will live according to white rules, glorifying white values, being orderly and calm while others enact laws which will literally destroy them and wipe them out. Black theology must reject outright this style of behavior and insist that black people can bring something to the relationship. They must bring a system of black values which deny that white is right and stress the beauty of being black. They must bring color to a sterile and depraved white people who have endeavored to label this world for whites only.
James Cone with all the smoke this morning. All right, we're getting ready to have some conversation. We've got about a good 13 minutes here. Um, if you want to come on and join me for conversation about this subject, how can we talk? How can you talk reconciliation when you are yet enacting policies? What? 60 years later, almost 60 years later, you're yet enacting policies that deny black rights, black life, black history, black stories. But you are, while yet denying and yet erasing, you're saying, come, let's reason together while I erase your history. Are you on drugs? <laughs> Ask yourself that. This has been another episode of Daring Dialogues, and I have been your host, Shante Charles. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I hope your ears are on fire. And I hope that you go get your own copy of Dr. James H. Cohn's book, Black Theology and Black Power, and read it and read it again and read it and read it some more and let it settle in and sit with you and think about his message that is still relevant in 2023. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, be well and be liked.